0: I came real casual today, so you knew that we could be. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in jeans? It-
1: <laughs> this isn't a council meeting. <laughs>
0: huh? No, this is for the state tournament. I think the Semis? Yeah, yeah. 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 We've got Uptown Civic Association is meeting tonight. This well, but they—the bicyclist that died, the VCU student—that's in their neighborhood, and this is the third. This is the third death on Main Street in twelve months. (laughs) Do we know if? I just threw a black suit on.
2: Oh my
0: goodness, Oh. thank you, I shot the coat on my hand. Members that are in the chamber, if you'll please take your seat so that we can begin. This meeting will now come to order. Madam Clerk, please read the chamber emergency evacuation plan.
2: Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwells outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. And Mr. President, for the record, all members of council are in attendance this afternoon with the exception of Councilor Robertson. And individuals standing in the rear of the chamber are asked to be seated where seats are available.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk, it is now my uh, pleasure to present uh, to you the 80th mayor of the city of Richmond to give his proposed fiscal year 2019-20 biennial budget, Mayor LaVar Stoney.
3: President Hilbert, Vice President Newbill, the honorable members of the city council, members of the school board, dedicated fellow city employees, and residents of the great city of Richmond, good afternoon. Just over a month ago, I stood before you at Martin Luther King Jr. Middle School to report on the strong state of our city, on the great progress we made over the last year, and on our vision for how we continue to move forward in 2018 to realizing the promise of One Richmond, a city that works for all of its residents, no matter where they live, the color of their skin, or how much they earn. Today, I am happy to report that we are already off to a fast track. Thanks to the support of a supermajority of this council, we made the largest investment in the educational future of our city in more than a decade by creating a dedicated special reserve that will provide 150 million dollars toward building new schools where they are desperately desperately needed right here in the city of Richmond. I want to thank you again for your commitment to our children and to the residents of our city for supporting this important investment. Today, that work continues with the presentation of the city's biennial budget for the fiscal years 2019 and 2020. Before I begin, I'd like to acknowledge the incredible hard work and dedication of my team beginning with my CAO, Chief Administrative Officer, Celina Cuffey-Glenn, Deputy CAO for Finance and Administration, Lenora Reed, Budget Director, Jay Brown, uh, Finance Director, John Wack, and their teams, as well as my Chief of Staff, Lincoln Saunders, and my Senior Policy Advisor, Dr. Thad Williamson. Let's give him a round of applause. It is because of their diligent and conscientious work that I'm able to prepare and plan for this budget I present to you today. Budgets are never easy and they're never perfect. They are exercises in compromise. They are attempts to match the dreams of what we want to do with the reality of what we can do given what we have to work with. This budget, is no exception. While we have seen growth in some revenue sources, we have also seen declines in other and increases in mandated expenditures such as retirement, health care, and debt service. So this should be of no surprise. Difficult choices had to be made. Many agencies will have a reduction in their proposed operating budgets compared to their current budget. And there are many organizations providing vital services that we were not able to support in our non-departmental budget. Nevertheless, I am pleased to inform you that our proposed 715.2 million budget for the coming year is fully balanced. And all expenses are in line with our current projections. This budget meets all of our legal requirements and mandates while continuing to fund city services and core priorities essential to improving the quality of life of all of our residents. Mr. President, this is a fiscally responsible and lean budget. But this plan still managed to continue to invest and even improve and expand upon our support for targeted priorities in core services, public safety, poverty mitigation, and public education. First, on the revenue side. While we anticipate growth of about 5.5% or $17.6 million in revenue from real estate taxes, we also are looking at significant projected revenue reductions in machinery and tools, penalties and interest, personal property, bank stock franchise tax, and business licenses. We expect an increase of 2.5 million in the dividend payment from our Department of Public Utilities, but also a $4.4 million reduction in the utilities payment in lieu of taxes, specifically from federal income tax revenue. Due to the increasing cost of maintaining infrastructure and compliance with regulatory and requirements for system safety and reliability, DPU has also proposed a rate increase of 3.25% in the natural gas distribution and service charge. Effectively, effective July 1, the monthly service charge for natural gas customers would go from $12.98 to $13.40. However, The utility is also recommending a reduction in the water rate for all single-family residential customers for the first 400 cubic feet of waste of water they use. This is called a lifeline water rate, a rate that considers equity as well as conservation, where customers are charged a lower rate on the average water usage rate and a higher rate on water consumed in excess of that usage. Simply put, a lifeline rate puts the control of the customer's utility bill in their hands. Beyond fixed costs, customers will pay for the amount of water they use. DPU estimates that the average residential customer will see a $3.70 decrease in their bill. Overall, the average household will see a decrease of 1% in their utility bills. The first disc decrease in many, many years. (laughs) On the mandated expenditure side, we are looking at an increased cost of $2.2 million to finance our debt for previously approved projects an increased cost of over $1 million to cover increased costs for health insurance for city workers, an increased cost to our local match contribution under the Comprehensive Service Services Act for mandated services for at-risk children, a $200,000 increase in risk management costs and increases of more than $400,000 in contractual obligations for the city jail. While the 2020 budget will be revisited this fall, the, planning, the Department of Budget and Strategic Planning projects, projects projects there to be less revenue flexibility to cover requests and even greater required expenditures. There are those who question whether our city can, can and should run more efficiently. The answer is almost always yes, which is why I conducted a performance review last year and encouraged a redoubling of our efforts as a city workforce to improve our productivity, competency and service delivery. While we still have a long way to go, I believe our city departments have responded to the challenge. As promised, our finance department has righted a ship that has been listing for many, many years and submitted our 2017 comprehensive annual financial report better known as the CAFR, not only on time, but two weeks early. And as promised, we held a tax amnesty period that exceeded projections and netted $2.8 million. And thanks to our CAFR being done on time, we were also able to refinance some of our bond issues, which will save the city nearly $13 million over the next 15 years. Our Department of Public Works, under the guidance of a new leader, Bobby Vincent, shattered previously productivity goals, filling 25,000 potholes and repairing 1,600 alleys, the equivalent of 100 lane miles. Our permit office is being revamped and modernized, improving service and turnaround time to make doing business with the city even easier. And I expect wait times to reduce in the year moving forward. And even our understaffed and under-resourced Richmond Animal Care and Control, which takes all creatures, great and small, regardless of circumstance, is raising the bar. Last year, RACC improved its save rate from an impressive 89% in 2016 to an incredible 91% in 2017. Congratulations to to Christy Peters and the entire team at RACC, and let's keep up the good work over there. The reality of our revenues and expenses forced us to exercise fiscal discipline and make tough choices in our budget. And as I said earlier, many departments are facing a cut from last year's budget, but we're making choices that reflect our priorities. If we don't think ambitiously and, creativ- and creatively about how investments today can pay big dividends tomorrow, then we are a little more than t- caretakers of the way things are, or de facto defenders of the status quo. And that has never been the psyche for me, enough for me, and it's not enough for the great city of Richmond as well. Here at City Hall, We are doing more with less. And while no one appreciates the value of pursuing efficiencies more than me, at a certain point, running an efficient and responsive government requires us to have the people to do the work. Last year, we funded $13.3 million to reinvest a portion of the job vacancies throughout our city administration. This year, our budget recommends a slight decrease in vacancy funding of $12 million, still less than one-third of our vacancies. Yesterday, you were presented the recently completed Gallagher Class and Compensation Study that shows that we need to invest not just in our positions, but in the talent we have today. We have much work to do in terms of compensating our rank and file city employees to remain competitive in the marketplace for talent. That is why my budget includes a 1% salary increase for non-sworn, non-constitutional officer employees. This increase would take in effect January of 2019. My goal is to increase that another 1% in 2020 if the resources are available. We also should not be talking about the importance of our residents being paid a living wage in the, private, if they're, in the private sector if we are not prepared to back up our words with action here in city government. So this budget also includes money to fund the recommendations of the Gallagher study to pay all city employees a living wage and to bring those city employees who are being paid below the minimum standard salary for their job up to that minimum. I'm also proposing this uh, to also take an effect through the fiscal year in January 2019 as well. In the first quarter of 2019 fiscal year, I will also propose a new administrative regulation that will work in conjunction with the Family Medical Leave Act to provide financial assistance to eligible city employees who must balance the demands of work and family. This new policy will provide for four weeks of paid maternity leave for birth mothers and four weeks of paid parental bonding leave for the birth of a child, as well as four weeks of paid parental bonding leave for those who adopt a child. I will also be proposing two weeks of paid parental leave to take care of a sick parent with an FMLA qualifying condition. Additionally, we also cannot forget our former employees who served our city and now depend on us for their livelihood in retirement. That is why I am pledging today that if we end fiscal year 2018 with a budget surplus, I will propose a budget amendment to use a portion of the surplus to fund a 1% cost of living adjustment increase for our retirees. They have waited long enough. In this budget, we also included $3.3 million in funding to continue the salary decompression and step pay increases we instituted last year for both our police and firefighters. So our salaries remain competitive with surrounding jurisdictions and we can continue to retain those we train. While we all should be encouraged by the early signs of a reduction in violent crime so far this year, we need to be mindful of the need to not retreat from our investment in public safety. That is why my budget for 2019 proposes four new positions for the Richmond Police Department, four officers dedicated to serving the needs of our public housing communities. In fiscal year 2020, we also propose funding for five new positions for civilian community outreach coordinators to further build the important and necessary relationships between law enforcement and our residents. Not just when there is trouble and trauma, but when there is time to build a community of understanding and trust. Greater focus on housing and community engagement is also a priority for me and my administration. So acting on the recommendations of our performance review, this budget calls for reallocating some of the resources from the Office of Economic and Community Development and creating a new Department of Housing and Community Development. The budget calls for funding the position of a housing director and for a transfer of operating dollars from ECD to support the new office. My budget also proposes a substantial increase in our investment in the affordable housing trust fund from $731,000 in 2018 to $1 million per year in fiscal years 2019 and 2020. We are also prioritizing customer service in this budget by creating a new department of citizen service and response that will oversee all one all the calls from the 311 call center and constituent service needs we recommend funding five previously vacant and unfunded customer care specialist positions to increase our effectiveness and response time to meet the needs of our residents and we have put budgeted for a director for this new department in fy2019 and for an additional customer supervisor and an analyst in fiscal year 2020. This structure will elevate the responsiveness of city government as a whole by improving citizen response, community engagement, internal and external communication, internal communication and data driven decision making. We also are following through on my commitment to improve every facet of city hall by creating a performance management office that will work directly with the chief administrative officer, budget and strat- budget and strategic planning, and the mayor's office, both to track the implementation of key priorities, but also help grow a culture of accountability and success. Realizing one Richmond requires a better functioning city government, and as this means and this means establishing culture and practice of continuously raising expectations, improving processes and performance, and rigorously evaluating progress. As stated many times before, I will not tolerate mediocrity as mayor, but I also recognize that many of the issues our agencies wrestle with are complex and challenging. The Performance Management Office will play a critical role in pushing our city to become the high-performing organization our citizens need and expect. Mr. President, customer service is really where the rubber meets the road in local government. And that is literally the job of the Department of Public Works. As I mentioned earlier, I'm proud of what we were able to accomplish last year focusing on trash, alleys, grass cutting, and potholes. This year, we will continue to focus on these areas and broaden our scope to meet one of the basic infrastructure needs of our city, its roadways and its streets. The existing five-year budget plan allocated $1.5 million for the paving program in fiscal year 2019. I am placing an additional $1 million towards this program so that DPW director Bobby Vincent will be able to pave an additional 20 lane miles for the improvement of our neighborhood streets. So smooth roads, clean streets, and cut grass help keep our city looking good. But our goal is greater than that. We want our residents to feel like they have an opportunity to thrive and be healthy, to feel that their communities are safe, and most importantly, to feel that their children have the opportunity to succeed to the fullest extent of their God-given talents. This is why we have spent so much time and resources on the important work of our office of community wealth building and on the components of the RVA education compact, which is designed to focus on the whole child. Our challenge as a community is balancing the immediate human needs created by our high poverty rate while making the longer term investments required to reduce poverty in the first place. This budget takes important steps in both directions. My proposal increases funding for Richmond Behavioral Health Authority by some $733,000. This funding will increase RBHA's treatment capacity and its ability to provide services to residents with substance abuse and other emergency treatment needs. After speaking with Sheriff Antoinette Irving, I'm also proposing that we eliminate the $2 a day fee we charge inmates for being housed in the city justice center. If we expect people who are incarcerated for minor offenses to have a chance to get back on their feet and be productive, to support themselves and their families, we should, where possible, remove obstacles to their opportunity that punish them after they've paid their debt to society and done their time to return to our community. We are also continuing to back the Office of Community Wealth Building through through including support of its workforce development efforts and the Mayor's Youth Academy as well. Increased local support in the current fiscal year has leveraged an ongoing state grant for workforce activities of nearly $2 million, allowing the office to expand its workforce efforts to three fully staffed centers citywide. A good, well-paying job is the best solution to so many of our problems, and we will continue to invest in this effort until we reach our goal of creating a pathway out of poverty for 1,000 residents a year. The creation of a Department of Housing and Community Development, already noted, also will strengthen our efforts to fight poverty and build stronger communities. We need affordable housing that can be a bedrock of stability for our families, and we need to develop and execute a long-term plan to provide that sort of housing. To create One Richmond, we must think holistically as a city about our investments in basic human services, employment, housing, and transportation. Well, we also know the ultimate long-term investment and the ultimate barometer of our success is our children. In our community, nearly four of every 10 of our children live in poverty, a rate nearly three times the state average. And the majority of kids attending our school system come from households that are struggling financially. It is everybody's job to wrap our arms around our children to ensure they have the opportunities they need to break this cycle and move into economic security. The fight against poverty and to improve our children's education are two sides of the same coin. You already know I've spent time in recent months in recruiting teachers to come to RPS and our city. And last year, we invested more money in our teachers and school system as we tried to close the gap between our students' needs and diminishing support for the Commonwealth of Virginia, which has not increased funding to Richmond Public Schools since 2008. As I pointed out yesterday in front of our state capital. This is simply unacceptable. But we will not let it deter us from our mission and our responsibility to our children. As you know, this year we will make a $150 million investment in a special reserve for school construction. Last year, we provided $6.2 million in new funding to address teacher salary and compression, the single largest increase in proposed school funding made by any previous mayor and the increased funding is reflected in this year's budget as well. To help fund the priorities of the school board and superintendent, in my budget, I propose appropriating that additional $11 million in assigned balances and $1.5 million in unassigned balances from the school system's 2017 CAFR back into Richmond Public Schools. This will amount to nearly $12.5 million of one-time contribution in fiscal year 2019 towards RPS local funding requests for 2019. This funding will help jumpstart implementation of of Superintendent Cameron's strategic plan to be developed in the next several months. It is our expectation that this plan will not only set ambitious goals but also identify specific targets for academic improvement and will spell out the action steps needed to hit those targets. I can't wait to see the plan, and I'm confident superintendent cameras will use this investment creatively to make the positive impact our children need. To further support our students and their families, I'm also pleased to announce that part of our contribution to the Greater Richmond Transit Corporation, or GRTC, will include funding so that every Richmond public high school student will be able to ride the system for free on an unlimited basis for the entire year. By removing the cost barrier for our students, this partnership will help set our high school students up for greater success now and in the future. Students will have the freedom to connect, not just with school, but also with internships, jobs, arts, parks, and community centers all over our city. Free access to these activities will help make our youth well-rounded contributors to our larger community. As mayor, I have the responsibility for the whole child, not just for when they are in school, but 24-7. So... As I've gone to every one of our schools and attended meetings and events in every corner of our city, I've also been listening to what our communities have told me about our needs outside of the school day. Residents also told me that our kids need something to do after school. And they're right. Our kids spend more than 80% of their waking hours outside of the classroom. When I campaigned for mayor, I pledged, to significantly increase access to high quality after school programs in our city because keeping our kids safe, healthy, and engaged in positive experiences motivates them to be in school and do well when they are there and to strive for excellence beyond graduation. So we know the hours outside the school day are also critical to closing the achievement gap. It is not an either or this is a both and. My budget also includes a substantial investment in our annual contribution to nonprofit nonprofit partners like YMCA, YWCA, the Peter Paul Development Center, Podium Foundation, Neighborhood Resource Center, Next Up, and Higher Achievement. This budget also makes an investment of more than six hundred thirty thousand dollars in a pilot program with our Department of Parks and Recreation to extend hours at six of our recreation sites so that centers we are already invest in can play a larger role in providing a safe haven to learn and play. While we have been working through this budget to make critical investments in high quality after school programs to achieve a sustainable, lasting impact on our children, the city can't do it alone at least 77 of the 275 largest cities in the United States have already realized they must work across public and private sectors to build a coordinated system that can fill the gaps before and after our kids are in the classroom. To that end, I am working with the funding community to braid these public investments with private resources to move us toward a coordinated out of school time system that can reach every child in need. I'm excited by the recent effort by several of our city's major philanthropies to build upon the out of school time investments, what I propose in this budget. With additional resources, resources that will enable us to ensure that every elementary and middle school is paired with at least one full service out of school time provider. With these investments and the support of the philanthropic community over the next two years, we can provide more than 1,000 more school kids daily access to a great after-school experience. <laughs> Mr. President, I think you know this is what motivates me. It's what gets me up, it's what gets me up in the morning every day excited about what we can accomplish working together. As a city, we're always going to have to make tough choices. There's no doubt about that. To prioritize and strive for efficiency, but even when resources are tight and public dollars have to be stretched, I believe there is still an opportunity to move past the either or choice and find the both and solution. Building One Richmond is going to require that our public, private, and nonprofit communities work as one and leverage our investments for maximum impact. So while I will remain vigilant and focused on ensuring that we spend every, every tax dollar to achieve the maximum positive impact for our citizens, I will continue to look for more ways to build new partnerships and strategies that help us achieve more, more than we can on our own. I believe the spending plan before you meets this challenge, and I look forward to working with you in the coming weeks. This is a challenge we cannot turn down, and this is a test we must pass. Not just to be fiscally balanced and check boxes, all the boxes, to meet our financial obligations, but to be creative and ambitious and invest. And our shared priorities, a well run city, a safer city, a healthy city, and a city of opportunity. One Richmond, committed to the promise of a brighter future for all of its residents, every single one of them. Thank you so much. And, Mr. President, I think these are for you.
0: (laughs) But uh, thank you, we'll certainly uh, get those for our staff and we we appreciate that, Mr. Mayor. Uh, Madam Clerk, please read the introductory papers.
1: Mr. President, the introduction papers for this evening are as follows, and all have a public hearing date of April the 23rd at 6 PM. An ordinance to adopt the general fund budget for the fiscal year 2019 and to approve fiscal year 2020. An ordinance to adopt the special fund budget for fiscal year 2019 and to approve fiscal year 2020. An ordinance to accept a program or proposed capital improvement projects for the fiscal year July one beginning July one of twenty eighteen and for the four fiscal years thereafter. An ordinance to appropriate and to to appropriate and to provide funds for funding the school's budget for the fiscal year 2019. An ordinance to adopt the debt service fund budget for the fiscal year 2019. An ordinance to adopt the Internal Service Fund budget for the fiscal year 2019 and to approve fiscal year 2020. An ordinance to adopt the Department of Parks, Recreation and Community Facilities Richmond Cemetery budget for the fiscal year 2019 and to approve fiscal year 2020. An ordinance to adopt the Department of Public Works Parking Enterprise Fund budget for fiscal year 2019 and to approve fiscal year 2020. An ordinance to adopt the electrical utility budget for fiscal year 2019 and to approve fiscal year 2020. An ordinance to adopt the gas utility budget for the fiscal year 2019 and to approve fiscal year 2020. An ordinance to adopt the department of Public Utility Stores and Internal Service Fund Budget for the fiscal year 2019 and to approve fiscal year 20. An ordinance to adopt the stormwater utility budget for the fiscal year 2019, and to approve fiscal year 2020. An ordinance to adopt the wastewater utility budget for the fiscal year 2019 and to approve the fiscal year 2020. An ordinance to adopt the water utility budget for the fiscal year 2019 and to approve the fiscal year 2020. An ordinance to amend the pay plan to provide a 1% increase for the classified and unclassified permanent city employees. An ordinance to amend the pay pay plan to suspend the career development program for certain police and fire officers for fiscal year 2019. An ordinance to amend the pay plan concerning the salary supplements of the Commonwealth Attorney's Office to provide for fiscal year 2019, an ordinance to amend the pay plan concerning salary supplements for the sheriff's office to provide for fiscal year 2019. An ordinance to amend the article two of the pay plan to spend the educational incentive program for certain fire and police, fire, police and fire officers for fiscal year 2019. An ordinance to amend the pay plan for providing for a step advancement for certain sworn fire and P- police personnel, an, off, an ordinance to amend Chapter 2, Article 4 of the City Code for adding new Division 21 concerning Department of Citizen Service and Response and to repeal Section 28-3 of the City Code concerning the management and operations of the City's 311 Call Center. An ordinance to amend City Code by adding a new Division 3.1. One, for effectuating the reorganization of the Department of Economic and Community Development into a new Department of Economic Development and a new Department of Housing and Community Development. An ordinance to reassign the duties and powers designated by ordinance and not codified in the city code for effectuating the reorganization of the Department of Economic and Community Development into a new Department of Economic Development and a new Department of Housing and Community Development. An ordinance to amend city code section 2-1183 concerning a residential requirement for certain city officers and employees and 22-317 concerning additional retirement allowance for effectuating the abolition of the Department of Economic and Community Development and the creation of the Department of Citizen Service and Response and the Department of Economic Development and the Department of Housing and Community Development. An ordinance to amend the pay plan to exclude the classification of Director of Economic and Community Development and to include Director of Citizen Service and Response, Director of Economic and Development, and Director of Housing and Community Development in the unclassified executive service. An ordinance to amend Appendix A of the city code concerning fees applicable to subscribers who use the city emergency communication service and for whom the department installs, maintains, or repairs equipment and vehicles to establish revised charges for certain services. An ordinance to amend Appendix A of the city code for purchasing of niches in Columbaria, Columbaria to establish revised charges. An ordinance to amend city code concerning fees For the use of Dogwood Dale Amphitheater and to repeal the the fees set forth in Appendix A for the use of the Clarion in Bird Park. An ordinance to amend city code concerning storm water management program fees and to amend Appendix A of the city code by adding new fees. An ordinance to amend Appendix A of the city code. For concerning rates and discounts for parking facilities operated by the city. An ordinance to amend city code section 27-219 concerning fees for parking violations for adjusting the fees of certain violations. An An ordinance to amend Appendix A of the city code concerning mandatory charges for using meters for on street and off street parking spaces for increasing meter charges. An ordinance to amend Appendix A of the City Code for amending fees for filling applications for certificates of zoning compliance. An ordinance to amend Appendix A of the City Code concerning fees for installing gas lights to establish revised charges for such services. An ordinance to amend Appendix A of the City Code concerning fees for gas services for establishing revised charges for certain services. An ordinance to amend City Code. Appendix A of City Code concerning fees for stormwater services to modify the stormwater utility rate structure and to establish revised charges for stormwater utility services. An amendment to an ordinance to amend Appendix A of the City Code concerning fees for wastewater services to, to establish revised charges for such services. An ordinance to amend City Code Appendix A. An ordinance to amend Appendix A of the City Code concerning fees for water services to establish revised charges for certain services. An amendment to authorize the issuance of general obligation public improvement bonds in the maximum principal amount of $173 million to finance the cost of school projects and capital and general capital improvement projects of the city. An ordinance to counsel all authorized and unissued bonds authorized by the city in the fiscal year 2014 and 2016 to authorize the issuance of public utility re- revenue bonds in the maximum principal amount of $54 million to finance the cost of capital improvement projects of gas, water, and wastewater utilities and public utilities buildings and facilities. An ordinance to council all authorized but unissued notes authorized by the city in fiscal year 2016 to authorize the issuance of general obligation equipment finance equipment notes in the maximum principal amount of 2.4 million to finance the cost of equipment for various departments bureaus and agencies of the city and schools mr president that concludes the reading of the new legislation for this evening
0: thank you madam clerk i believe there's a motion regarding the budget related papers ms larson
1: i move to suspend rule six of the council's rules of procedures for all budget-related ordinances introduced today so that those ordinances are not referred to or reviewed by a standing committee, but are instead reviewed during a budget review process developed by the council and the council chief of staff and heard during the budget public hearing scheduled for Monday, April 23rd, 2018 at 6 p.m. Is there a second? Second.
0: second. Yes, Madam Clerk, if you'd please call the roll.
2: Yes, council is voting on the motion to suspend rule six of council's rules of procedure as stated. Mr. Jones?
1: Aye.
2: Ms. Larson? Aye. Mr. Agilasto? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. And President Hilbert? Aye. The motion has passed.
0: Thank you. There being no further business before the council, this meeting is adjourned. All right, let's keep it moving.